Well, last night, the second episode of Dark Side of the Ring debuted, and it was on the ultimate violence of Nick Gage. And honestly, uh, watching this, to say that this guy has gone through a lot, because he's still currently competing. I mean, as we speak, um, he is the current GCW Game Changer Wrestling World Champion. And last I saw, he was being challenged by John Moxley. Now, Moxley, a.k.a. Ambrose, was interviewed for this, in, uh, for this uh, second episode because he has history with Nick Gage. As a matter of fact, one of uh, Nick Gage's more prominent matches during his first tenure in CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling, was against Moxley for the CZW World Title. And they touched upon that. They touched upon how, you know, Gage used a pizza cutter or pizza slicer on Moxley's head. How he used it in his mouth and Moxley thought, oh my God, you know, did he cut my tongue off? You know, and he's checking, and, he, and Moxley basically saying he's checking around, basically visually showing us that he, would he was checking around to make sure his tongue was still there and it was. But to say that for a guy that's currently still, you know, competing in the ring, to say that he's gone through a lot of you-know-what is, it's really saying something. It, it really is. I mean, this guy, you, you talk about a crazy MFer, all right, a, a crazy mofo at times. You know, everybody talks about stories of starting their own backyard wrestling leagues and all that, and being inspired by watching Saturday Night's main event or watching NWA or WWF or w or AWA, you know, they always bring that up as, a, as their inspiration and how they got into watching it, either it was by themselves or it was by the grandparents or, the, or in this case, the parent, the dad, you know, whatever the case may be. And Nick Gage and his brother, uh, Chris, the real names are uh, Nick Wilson, I think, and Chris Wilson, got into wrestling because of that, and they both competed in CZW. Nick, you know, as Nick Gage, and Chris as Justice Payne. And, like I said, both were top-tier um, stars in that company. I think Justin, at one point, was the CZW uh, world champion. Chris, that is, was the world champion, or the wire champion, one of them. But yeah, they they taught they touched upon a lot of things here. You know, they even touched upon the close relationship that you know Nick had with his mom and how it, she was his world, and how he would go for the walks to support uh, the fight against you know cancer or breast cancer because his mom had that, which unfortunately took took her away from him, and that really that right there kind of like really started the downward spiral for him because. He started to get into the drugs, like the heroines, and all that. All that kind of, you know, stuff, you know, that uh, people have been known to get into when they get into, you know, a certain mindset. Uh, they even talked about and showed a certain match between, you know, Chris and Nick you know, for a CZW championship, where basically Chris saw what was going on and just basically legitimately beat the hell out of his brother and just like that, hit his finisher for the go-home, and that was it. In other words, Nick Gage was too screwed up because of the drugs and all that to even be in that ring. I mean, everybody talks about Jeff Hardy and the Victory Road incident, or even Hawk at SummerSlam 92. Nick Gage was basically in that same category, if not more so, because his brother 
was ticked at him for going down this road, for going down this downward spiral. He didn't want nothing to do with him either. He really didn't want nothing to do with him. You know, even after the mother passed, he wanted nothing to do with him. So, basically, you know, it got to a point uh, for Nick afterwards that he was getting down to a, such a downward spiral that he and his girlfriend that is still with today, Sandra, moved in with her mom, but then eventually her mom, for some odd reason, decided, get your asses out of, get your butts, I should say, out of my house. And I'm guessing it's because of the drugs they were doing. You know, Cassandra was getting in on it too. And, and they touch upon all this. They really touch upon all this. And, it, and finally, they do get to that, to that moment where uh, basically they talk about Nick robbing a bank and making off with the money and everything. In fact, he, they even talk about how he took the money he robbed from the bank and put it and came back to um, the founder, who was a referee in CZW, the founder of Game of Changer Wrestling, and put it on his table, you know, uh, and showed him what, you know, what he had done or whatever, and I guess he was trying to pay him back or something. Uh, I, I gotta go rewatch it again. But uh, the founder, but the owner of GCW, knew exactly that, you know, this wasn't like money he'd won from a lottery or he found off a street or he borrowed. This was legitimate bank money. Like, this was new. And I think he even called him out about it, saying, did you rob a bank? And he admitted, in a way, maybe he did. But anyway, anyway, they, they, they go over everything that Nick's gone through and how it affected him outside of the ring, personally, and all that. What led him to five years, four and a half years in prison. He gets out with parole and all that. They touch upon how, you know, GCW was going to be like a new starting point for him. And that the hardcore tournament of death that they were going to have was going to, call, was going to be called the Nick Gage Invitational. And that basically just before that happened, he gets arrested again for uh, possession of heroin and all that. And gets locked up for another two years. So basically he has about six years combined behind bars because of what he was doing. But what they also touch upon is how when he was initially behind bars the first time, fans who, he, who didn't even know him that much, well... Was sending in was sending in uh, basically letters saying, "Hey, it's gonna get better, man. Keep your chin up. We're with you. We're backing you up. We got your back." They were supporting him, and he didn't know who these people were. All he knew was these were people that were fans, obviously, you know, of him, or they had heard about him, saw what he was about, and they decided to support him. Decided to send mail to him, um, if you will, and. Basically, like I said, it was enough motivation to give him a second chance. Now, they did touch upon the Tournament of Deathmatch that he had, one of the first ones, where he got legitimately cut open. I think it was on 2007 or something like that. He legitimately got cut open, basically tore up here. He was going up, going up against a, a guy called Thumbtack Jack or something like that out of Germany. And during the match, Thumbtack whips him right into the... Uh, light tubes because it's set up with these light tubes if you've ever seen any visualness any kind of you know pictures or video of czw's tournament of death these people every freaking summer go all out i mean they describe that they have to sometimes go out into a farmland it's kind of like a woodstock event for wrestling but it's hardcore just to have this because you know ha because there's no other place to have it 
So basically, long story short, they get into how he gets whipped into these light tubes and it legitimately cuts him to the point that they have to stop the entire tournament. They have to end the match. You know, they have to end the match right there, give it to Thumbtack Jack, and they have to basically fly Nick Gage via Medicarrier, you know, to the hospital, and they mentioned that during, you know, that, during that flight that Nick had died, legitimately died for seven minutes because of the loss of blood. He was losing so much blood that for seven minutes he was legitimately dead from it. Legitimately dead. And that's scary. And that is scary. But basically, yeah, it was in a tournament of deathmatch finals and he nearly died. And it was a finals that they had to stop because he couldn't continue. And they showed him wanting to continue. He wanted to go back out there. He's like, hey, just patch me up. I'll be fine. He wanted to go back up there. He wanted to go back out and finish. And they're saying, no. No, Nick, you can't finish. You're bleeding to death. And, I mean, this, this is one of the, like I said, this is one of those stories that when you hear it and you see where the guy is today, it's like, <laughs> this guy is one crazy mofo that, as we speak, is trying to make life better for himself and those around him. Now, they do touch upon the situation with David Arquette. They do touch upon the fact that when they met um, at a, in Hollywood at one of the diners there to talk, what, talk over what they were going to do, David was specifically saying, hey, don't cut me or anything. I'm a star. I don't need to be cut or anything, all right? And Nick and Nick's like, okay, you know, just, <laughs> you know, Nick's like, you know, I'm I'm gonna get this guy. You know, I'm gonna well he's not saying he's gonna get this guy, but he's basically saying, Oh, you don't want to get cut, but yeah, you wanna have this kind of a match. So, okay, whatever. And Nick does everything Like I said, he you know, Nick did everything that David didn't really want him to do. I mean, he knew he was I mean, David kinda knew what he was getting into. And everything, because he wanted to redeem himself. He wanted to redeem himself, because when they talked to David Arquette, they did go over the WCW situation and everything, and how stupid that was, and how the fans didn't like it even back then. And then now he wanted to prove himself, kind of redeem himself. So he knew what he was getting into, but he just, there were certain things that he was specific about that he didn't want to happen uh, to him during this match. And it all but did happen. You know, basically, it all but did happen. They even touched upon how, you know, Nick Gage takes a piece of glass and stabs, you know, David Arquette right in the throat, but all he did was cut him. It was enough to make him really bleed, but it, it cut him really deeply. You know, so they go over, so they go over that and how basically, you know, Nick, you know, essentially, you know, called an audible and they went home, you know, basically Nick pinned uh, David to, to win the match. But, yeah, they go over that and everything. And then they go over the fact that around this time, um, if you will, around this time or a little afterwards, because he's on the road and everything, trying to, you know, redeem himself, clean himself up uh, and all that, that he gets a phone call. And then and he ends up then calling his girlfriend, Sandra. And they find out that his brother, uh, Chris, known as Justin Payne, who was a CW, CZW champion, I think wire champion or world champion, had uh, 
committed suicide. And he did this by jumping off a bridge that they can see right outside their house. That when he goes outside, he sees this bridge, and it's the same bridge his brother jumped off of. And the reason being is because his brother was going through a lot mentally. Like mentally, he was going through a lot, depression-wise and everything, mentally. And it got to a point that I think they said his brother robbed a car or stole a car or something like that. Like I said, it got it got to a point where they said his brother had stolen a car, had done something, stolen a car, I think, and the cops were pursuing him. And it got to the point that when they got to the bridge, <coughs> to the bridge area, that the brother got out, and just before the cops can get him, he jumped off the bridge and killed himself. And that now, every time he walks outside of the back of it, in the back of his house and sees the bridge, he says a little prayer for his brother. So yeah, they 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 went through a lot in this in this episode. They went through a lot, and you know it's like. You know, you, you you hear all these stories about people that have gone through similar situations that are either retired or no longer with us. This guy is still going. This guy is still with us. He is still going. And uh, what's, what's eerie about it is he basically says that he knows he's going to go, that he knows his time is short and that he's going to go young. He just doesn't know when, but he knows that time's coming. You know, so they... You know, so that was eerie, eerie to hear from him. But they touched upon everything. They touched upon how he created the MDK um, a gang. And that's basically a group of fans. And how it's grown from, you know, from one region to across the nation to across the world. It's really surprising. Um, and that every time he's around, you hear people say, chanting MDK. It's, you know, again, they, they just went through over a lot here. It's just really surprising. You know how much they went over. I mean, they even talk about after you know him and his girlfriend got kicked out of the mother's house. They, in ten degree weather, cold winter weather, that they ended up shacking or attempting to shack up at the owner, the now owner of GCW, and he had to kick kick them out because when he came home, he's like, "Hey, why is my door open? What's going on here?" He opens it up. And in you know, and on the floor in his living room was Nick and Sandra, so he had to toss them out. So they go over that. I mean, they just went over so much in this that it surprised me that this guy is still doing what he's doing. He's still competing in not just in wrestling but in deathmatch wrestling as well. And now he's on the verge of headlining a GCW event with the man that he headlined CZW events with, and has a history with John Moxley. A.K.A. Dean Ambrose. It's just, just amazing, just amazing how far this guy has come, and you know what, you know, and what he's trying to do now to clean up his act. Because I'll admit, he looks a lot better now. He looks a lot more cleaner, leaner. He looks like he's on the the right path now. It's like now he's on the right path. But again, the eeriness about this is he knows his time on this earth is short. You know, and that's eerie to hear. That is really eerie to hear, but overall, this this episode on Nick Gage was real. It was dark. It was it was good. It was dark, and you know, I I got to give it to them again. I mean, they they touched upon things that 
I don't think anybody else would even touch upon if they wanted to talk about Nick Gage in other promotions. So, a really, really good job here with this one. It may not have been, you know, on the level of Brian Pillman the week before because that was a two-parter, two-hour premiere. But still, there was enough packed in this one-hour, 45-minute, um, you know, uh, second episode of season three. There was enough packed up here that it really got you... It really got your attention and got you really invested in who this person is and really, in my opinion, really wanting to support him and pray and hope that things turn out a lot better for him in the near future um, than they were in the past. But yeah, once again, it's a stellar episode. I can't take anything away from them with that. And if you've not seen Dark Side of the Ring, check it out. You have the episodes, you know, on demand. Uh, through Hulu, on demand, I think, through Xfinity and your cable provider with Vice. With Vice on demand, check them out. You'll really like them. And I can't wait to see what they talk about next week when they talk about the uh, WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Collision in Korea event that took place in the mid-90s. I think during the time that Hulk Hogan was the champion, but he wasn't willing to go over there. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say, guys. Check out the episode if you've not seen it yet. You'll find you will definitely find this really interesting, even for a, for what they packed in for 45 minutes to an hour. But that's about it, guys. So till next time, comment down below. Let me know what your thoughts are on the live chat during the premiere, and I will talk to y'all later.